We continue with the conversation on the talking point and just a quick one. The WhatsApp line is working again, so you can uh, send those messages and voice notes on 0614-104-107. The number again, 0614-104-107. On Twitter, it's at SFM Radio. The hashtag SFM Talking Point will also uh, continue taking your calls on 011-714-2006. We turn our attention though to a conversation that's slightly different for our health talk today and we're looking uh, in particular at the COVID-19 pandemic. Of course what has happened is that during this phase of the pandemic a lot of the diagnostics that we receive have to do with the testing for COVID-19. We know that in order to be able to prevent any future waves of this pandemic, we need a lot more vaccinations to uh, take place in the country. But have you ever wondered what goes into the process of actually making a COVID-19 diagnosis? Well, somebody who works in the space, Greg Northfield, is an executive member of the Southern African Laboratory Diagnostics Association. He's joining me for this talk. Good morning, Greg, and thanks for your time today. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I think it's always nice to get the word out on what uh, in vitro diagnostics are and uh, grateful for the opportunity to, to mm-hmm. share. I think, you know, let's begin with just the very basics, Greg, and, and start perhaps with an idea of what the organization that you're part of actually does. Sure. So SALDA, uh, Southern African Laboratory Diagnostics Association, is a an association of, of in excess of 50 members of companies that are involved in the manufacture or importation and distribution of um, laboratory diagnostic products. So this would include tests that are used in, in COVID um, uh, diagnosis, obviously, um, HIV, TB, uh, right through to, you know, your routine uh, tests that are done on, on a patient that uh, presents in an ER or in a doctor's rooms mm. uh, with, with um, some symptoms that need to be confirmed as to what the actual problem is. Mm. There, when, when we first had COVID-19 in particular in South Africa, testing was a big issue because there were questions over, you know, where are we going to get test kits from, the reliability of the test kits that we that, that, that were coming into the country. And the conversation, of course, has, has shifted quite significantly since then. But give us a sense of what has been happening behind the scenes in terms of fine-tuning the processes of, of testing for COVID-19. So I think the, the starting point is that at the time, this, this was a new disease and there was no diagnostic tests available. And, and for the manufacturers and, and developers to have developed a, a range of, of really competent tests in an extremely short space of time um, is, is, a, is a credit to, to the research and the science that's taking place around the world. This can also be you know, um, equivalent to the, you know, the amount of work and, and the speed at which vaccines have been produced. Um, you know, to have a diagnostic to be produced within the space of, of less than six months is, is quite phenomenal. So initially there was uh, a lack of, of, of product as such because there wasn't such a test. Um, then, then there was the development of, of a number of different technologies. And they need to be, um, uh, to be tested to ensure that they are efficacious. So are they actually detecting what, what the disease is? Um, is it appropriate that these things are used uh, to, to diagnose people's uh, disease state? Um, and uh, how would they be rolled out into a, an environment where the, the testing can actually be done 
in a routine laboratory or at, at point of, of, of patient. So the, the amount of work that went on was incredible. So this time last year, we had the first wave of, of products that were actually made available uh, in South Africa. Of course, that uh, came about at the same time as there was um, full lockdown. Um, there was no flights into South Africa. Um, there was um, you know, all sorts of, of issues that, that caused stumbling blocks to us to be able to get out of, of the starting blocks to do proper testing. Um, that, that obviously got corrected in, in due course when flights started coming in again. Um, and, and around about the same time, we introduced um, the organization known as SAPRA, the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority. Um, and SAPRA has, has a mandate to ensure that, that all products, medical products that are coming into the country are uh, um, uh, the appropriate products, that they're efficacious um, and that they're cost-effective. So there was new regulations that were introduced. Um, there, there was the, the danger of bringing in a lot of rubbish into the market. Um, and SAPRA ensured that, that uh, proper uh, regulations were put into place to make sure that the products were appropriate. So that had to go through a testing process with the National Health Laboratory Service uh, entities. Um, there was capacity limitations. Um, there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of, of um, people trying to get in on the market that weren't necessarily uh, experienced in, in the industry that, that we are in. Um, many, many products were brought in or attempted to be brought in uh, with, with members of, or non-members of, of the SALDA organization, um, and they would then also have to register with SAPRA to be able to get their products in. So there, there, was, there was a lot of work going on. At the moment, there are um, a, a range of, of, of very competent tests that are being uh, used in, in, the, in the South African environment. Um, they are uh, in a routine process, uh, and I think that we've come a long way from, from mm. the early days when we didn't even know what this disease was. There's been a lot of innovation and and even collaboration in, in the sector. How has that strengthened the credibility of, um, of, 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 of the testing kits, if I can put it that way, that are being developed and, and manufactured? I think it's also important to understand what you're testing for. So mm. if, if you look at COVID, um, there, there are different phases. So you have the infection phase, which is where you would have... Uh, virus particles present in, in the nasal cavity and in the throat, um, and that would give you an indication that this person has been exposed to, to COVID. Um, you could use that as, as, uh, as, as the primary test. Um, what the requirement is, of course, is to get closer to the patient. So the, the, the original tests that, that were approved were known as the PCR test. This is a molecular test which is used to identify specific um, identifiable sequences on the DNA or the RNA of the virus or, or whatever the infected material is. So those are really, really accurate. Um, and uh, they, they, are, they have to be run in, in very um, uh, special environments because you don't need contamination to give you false results. Um, the, the big drive at the time, because it was available, was, was the serological tests, which is more an indication of an immune response. So if you have antibodies to COVID, that means you have been exposed but the antibodies will probably only present after about three weeks. So it's not good as a diagnostic to, to see if somebody is in fact infected. Mm. It's only good as, as, as a reference to say, yes, this person has previously been infected. And the answers are that they are immune, although that's not yet proven that, that we have an immune um, uh, state after we've been infected. There have been cases of, of multiple infections. Um, so you, you need to understand what, what it is that you're trying to do and therefore what tests you should be using to, to identify the, the state that you're in. Mm. And, and you know, w when we continue our conversation, I also want you to, to speak to me about what 
people sometimes experience where when they go for the COVID-19 testing and you'll find that uh, a test comes out positive and then they take the test maybe a day or two later and it comes out negative. We're in conversation with uh, Greg Northfield. He's the executive member of the Southern African Laboratory Diagnostics Associations. What are the questions that you have when it comes to the testing for COVID-19? I'd also be interested in knowing how has it affected testing for some of the other illnesses that we deal with in this country. You heard they also uh, cover TB, HIV, AIDS testing, etc. So it will it will be be interesting to to hear Greg's uh, reflections on that as well. Uh, for now, though, it's eleven thirty. Luanda Maume is standing by with your latest news headlines. Okay, <laughs> having a bit of a technical glitches with that particular ad. Uh, so let's do this. Uh, perhaps let me continue our convers. Let me continue our conversation with our guest this morning, Greg Northfield. He is an executive member of the Southern Africa Laboratory Diagnostics Association. Uh, and Greg, uh, I was talking about the issue of the, uh, you know, the positive and the negative tests that people sometimes get when when they when they undergo. COVID-19 testing. What causes that? It's a very unusual situation. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if we have a look at the, the uh, development of, of the tests that, that we are referring to, um, they are developed under circumstances that have to be tested to uh, certain levels that, that are considered normal and, and standard in the industry. So when, when you have a diagnostic test, it normally got a, a specificity of around about 96% and a sensitivity of, of an excess of 99%. So that means it's, it's going to be sensitive to whatever the disease is at least 99% of the time. But it could be a little bit varied in terms of, of how specific it is. So you, 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 you do have a very, very small window where there, there is a, a, um, a, a mismatch, you know, if, mm-hmm. if you want to put it in, into that sort of language. So um, the other problems do, that, that can arise would be in, in the, the transport of the sample where, you know, samples get mixed up. Um, it's also very, very uh, um, limited occasions that that might happen. But, but you know, there is human involvement and, and things do happen. Um, other than that, uh, you know, laboratory errors, that's not something that we, we, we consider because the laboratories are all accredited to very high levels. So errors are, are not something that are very common. So it's very, very unusual that you'll find somebody who tests positive and then short while later tests negative. Unless, of course, you've tested them very late in their infection cycle. Um, and the virus has now disappeared a couple of days later. You're mm-hmm. aware of the fact that uh, your, your isolation period, once you've been tested positive, uh, is 10 days. And the reason for that is after 10 days, you're not shedding virus anymore. So the chances are they might have been tested at, at day six or seven, uh, and by day 10, uh, the virus is depleted and you're not shedding so therefore, uh, you know, there is a positive and then perhaps a little uh, negative a little bit later. Oh, okay. So, so that actually happens where even though it's so soon after one could have potentially been infected with, with the virus. Agreed. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Um, it, you know, I mean, the, the, the fact is that, that the virus um, is, is made up of, of uh, various components. Um, there's always the chance after the fact that you're going to pick up viral components that, that are uh, not part of a live virus. Because remember that, that again, that the sequence that, that we are testing on the virus um, is, is something very specific to that. And when the virus is, is um, you know, broken up in, in essence, uh, there, there will be the particles lying around. So there is a chance that you'll test positive longer than 10 days. But the fact is that, that the Department of Health's um, 
policy is that after 10 days of, from being tested positive, uh, you are considered non-infectious. Mm. So again, it, it is likely that uh, if, if you've taken a sample late uh, and then do another one a couple of days later, that um, it, it could be negative. So when we look at what a lot of people are using now, um, the rapid tests, how do those work? So the, the rapid test comes in two forms. Again, we refer to the antigen, which is the actual detection of the, the infecting agent. And then there's the antibody, which is the, 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 um, the body's immune response to the infecting agent. So the antigen testing that we're doing with PCR, which is the molecular test, uh, is actually testing virus itself and, and the specific component mm-hmm. of the virus. Uh, they talk about the, the recognition sequence on the, the spike protein. Um, the antigen rapid test is something which will be done at patient's site. Um, the turnaround time on a PCR test is between 6 and 12 hours, uh, depending on, on the laboratory procedure. Um, the antigen test is about a 30-minute turnaround. But the fact is, to get antigen-positive samples, you need a very high level of, of uh, infectious material. So the patient would have to be quite well advanced into the infection to get an antigen test positive with a throat or a nasal swab. Um, and then, of course, you've got the rapid tests uh, with, for antibodies. But again, that's only going to give an indication three weeks later. Uh, that you have been exposed and will have antibodies. Mm. But but just by and large, when you compare the various tests that are done, I mean, <laughs> do you as an industry, do you rate which tests are better than others or um, does it not matter which test a, a person gets that uh, whichever test you do should be good enough? All tests will be equivalent uh, and that, that's regulated by the, the various registration processes that mm. take place. So remember that... Uh, SARPRA's requirement is that you have a, an equivalence uh, registration, which means you should have a CE mark or an FDA mark or an, a Canadian regulatory authority mark uh, or an Australian authority regulatory mark. Um, and and uh, uh, there's also an Asian one, which refers to the Chinese, the Japanese and the Koreans. So those are minimum requirements for you to be able to get a product um, uh, approved in South Africa. And they're all equally good. Of course, each company is going to tell you this is better than the others. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's not really relevant. All right. And of course, our listeners, you can also be part of this conversation this morning. The number to dial to uh, get in touch with us is 011-714-2006 on the WhatsApp line 614 Greg, let's talk about the kind of pressure that laboratories have been under uh, during this period. Because even though you're having to deal with... With, with with testing for for COVID nineteen, you were telling us earlier just about the spectrum of of, of diseases that you actually cover. Yes, um, the, the laboratories. You know, obviously the, the big laboratories have been going for a long time. They've got a lot of history. They can refer back to to the kind of trends that uh, that they need to be prepared for. Um, and and generally, um, you know, the, the companies as as a second line behind that are, are prepared for for whatever the calls are. So if you're doing HIV testing, you know that there's a certain amount of people that, that are being tested on a regular basis because they're on, on antiretroviral therapy um, and they're being monitored. So that, that's a given um, that there's a certain amount of people that are being tested that are new, newly infected or potentially mm. newly infected. Mm. So you, you have a good idea of, of what your needs are there. When you have this type of outlier, um, like we've had with COVID, um, it, it puts a huge amount of pressure on the whole system because nobody knows what you actually need. If you bring in too much um, it could end up you know, being thrown away. So there's, there's uh, obviously financial 
aspects that need to be considered. If you bring in too little, then people are going to be left uh, without being diagnosed uh, properly. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's always the clinical process, um, and the clinicians are very good at at, um, recognizing symptoms uh, and and, uh, assuming if they can't do a laboratory test uh, that the patient has been, you know, uh, presenting with with the the disease state. Um, But we we must also realize that um, the the laboratory medicine process, or the in vitro diagnostic process, um, it represents more than 75% of all diagnoses that take place around the world. Mm, okay. All right. Let me go to Florence in Worcester. Flor- Florence, good morning to you. Good morning, Cathy, and to your guest. Cathy, mm. um, my, my question is, okay, first of all, I just, just let me go back a little bit. My husband was uh, had COVID, um, for, and he was hit really bad for almost two, two weeks. And uh, it, it was so bad that I, I, I mean, he's my husband. I had, I had to take care of him. And I know I, I was in direct contact with him. That sometimes we just, you can't just help it. But it's just the two of us in the house. Um, then past the quarantine, we both went to quarantine. I started getting fluish symptoms. <clears throat> then I decided I went, I went for testing. Then two days later, um, the, the test came, came negative. And okay, I was fine with that. But then two days later, I, I, I really got sick. As I'm speaking to you, I'm, I'm sick, I'm in bed. Mm. Uh, but my test was, was negative. And I know I, I had COVID before early in, in March, I think. Yeah. Mm. And I can feel I've got all those symptoms. And in fact, whilst my chest is so bad and I'm coughing and everything, but my, my, my result was negative. And, and, now, when, my, and when did you go test Florence? I, I, I tested on Thursday, last Thursday, mm. and my results was were sent on. I think it was Saturday that it was it was negative. Mm. Uh, by yes, Monday. Yeah, that was today's Wednesday. I, I, I'm so sick. I feel I feel sick. I'm in bed right now. Now my question is, having I've heard people say that sometimes you get these negative results and they and they're positive and all that. You know, you hear what people say. So I don't know if mine is one of those. And my other question is, I am a teacher. And I'm scheduled to go for the vaccination for vaccine, one, mm. one of these days. Mm. So if, if at all, I am one of those that was maybe uh, positive and then told negative. What's the effect of that vaccine going to have on me? What is what is going to happen to me? Can I go for that test or what? Because now I'm just lying here because I'm sick. So I'm, I'm just assuming maybe it's just the other flu. But I can I, I can tell you, I know. I've had COVID before. Okay. Okay, yeah. Florence, thanks for that. I think there, there are probably some aspects of your question that Greg may not necessarily be able to speak to, but Greg, you can go for it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a clinician, um, and, and I would uh, I would hate anybody to take exception to me saying things that, that uh, is not within my mandate. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I do sympathize with, with the, the listener um, that, that has had um, you know the, the exposure to this thing. Um, it, it does sound like uh, perhaps there was maybe... Uh, the test taken a little too early, um, and and it came up negative. Um, but uh, I think there's there's a lot of research that's still going on to determine what 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 is this thing all about. This is a really terrible disease. Mm. Um, you know, my personal experience is my my own wife is presently in in uh, rehabilitation after spending four weeks on on a ventilator in an sure. intensive care unit. Um, to to my daughter who's showing no symptoms whatsoever. Mm. So it, it's uh, it, it, it's a very it's a tricky one. This this is a really terrible disease. Um, everybody should be very careful with it, and uh, I, I would advocate that um, vaccinations are, are, are a solution. Um, if, if you've been vaccinated and you've had a, a positive uh, um, uh, test and, and, and you've been ill with it, 
uh, chances are good that, that you're pretty well protected. But it doesn't mean to say that you won't get it again from, from the, the, the research that's being presented mm-hmm. at the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, Greg, we, we really wish your wife a, a, a full recovery. And, you know, you must be happy that she was able to pull through after so long in, in ICU. Um, somebody on the WhatsApp line is asking, and it's really about the amount of time that people are advised to spend before they go and get tested. So if I've had close contact with somebody that has tested positive on a Saturday um, and I have a negative result from a rapid test on a Wednesday, uh, which would be about um, three, four days later, is that result accurate? No, because it's a rapid test, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't be... Uh, trusting that that result, um, in my in my opinion, it should rather be a PCR test. Okay, so so when should when should one be taking a rapid test versus the PCR test? So it's more a circumstantial thing. Um, mm. if, if there is no access to PCR, um, then then a rapid is something which will work. But we must be careful not to to, to purely trust the rapid result. Um, if it comes up positive, uh, ordinarily they'll do a PCR to do a confirmation. Uh, it, it's like uh, you know, being pregnant, you'll go to the pharmacy and, and take a pregnancy test, which is also an IVD, by the way, mm. um, and uh, it'll come up positive. But your next uh, course of action will be to consult with a, with a, a clinician um, who will then take a blood sample and they'll run it through a much more sensitive test and he can, you know, confirm the, the, the pregnancy. So this is very much like it. If you take a rapid test, it comes up positive. Um, the, the chances are that, that they'll still do a PCR test to confirm it. Mm. If it comes up negative, I wouldn't trust it. I would say... You know, just watch the symptoms uh, and uh, if required, then, then take a test further along your line. Okay, okay. Uh, let me go to Khojani in Kronstadt. Good morning to you. How are you, ma'am? I'm well, thank you. Yes, I just want uh, some clarification here. You know, um, I, I, I'm a COVID survivor last year, December. Mm. Uh, thank God I survived those, you know, condolences to many of friends who did not make it through this uh, gigantic disease or virus. I, 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 the reason why I want to ask this question is because you asked whether I would, I want to be able to ask your question, you know, the way you did. You said whether this test are trustworthy uh, from one test to another or something like that. And I need to find out because uh, in my life of COVID, I tested more than six times. Once I was positive, the rest was negative. Mm. We traveled to Botswana, uh, uh, and then when we get to Botswana, we had the negative test from service provided in South Africa. Uh, we we had a COVID certificate negative, and then when we get to when we get to the Zambia, when we come back again. From Zambia into Botswana, we were told that the, the test had now expired. But I was made to believe that they take 14 days, uh, and Botswana said, "No, we are not going to allow you. You have to go back to Zambia. You come up, take a take another test, and then we come and test you with 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 this one, a rapid test." So we tested in Zambia; it was negative. Botswana. They said, we are going to test you with rapid test again. So I don't understand. Is it a policy that you are not from the different country into another country, you produce a negative test, then you are forced again to take a rapid test 
to confirm whether you're positive or you're negative. That's question number one. Number two, how long does this certificate take? Because some of us travel a lot, and then we don't know exactly. This other says for 72 hours. After 72 hours, is it expired or mm. it takes 14 days or what? That is the second question. Now, my last question uh, it may not be related to your own discussion. I want the, the gentleman that you're talking to today talk to me about, because I'm a, 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 a talk to me about being negative and uh, your sexual uh, uh, what desires, because uh, my friends and I have been saying, you know what, after suffering this COVID, looks like we, 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 we are lacking a bit, we are no longer strong on bed, we are, we are, how does it affect your sexual behavior? Okay, look, uh, I don't I don't, I don't know if Greg is going to be able to answer all <laughs> your questions, but um, he can help you with the testing. I think the last question, we might need a different person. Yeah, on. okay. No, it's fine. I'll, 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 comment, I'll comment on the last question that uh, I found that, that all of my desires were, were, were subdued, um, and I'm referring mostly to my, my, uh, my appetite, um, my preference for alcohol, I haven't touched alcohol since I was infected, mm. um, and my appetite was certainly suppressed. Um, for the rest, I won't comment. All right, Hojani, no problem, Daddy. <laughs> in terms of the testing protocols for crossing borders, it, it, it's quite logical if you think about it, because, again, if, if you test now um, and you haven't been exposed to anybody that, that is infected, um, you're going to produce a negative test, which is what they want for you to be able to cross the border. But in the process of crossing the border, you might have actually come in contact with somebody in the queue who's infected, and they've now infected you. So within 72 hours of that, you're going to start um, you know, getting a, 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 a growth of, of, of the infection. Um, you're going to start showing uh, symptoms, however light they might be. Um, and at that point, the chances are good that you might even be shedding that you've got uh, virus particles in your, in your nose and in your throat. So it, it's, it's appropriate that you would uh, go through the cycles um, of retesting if you're crossing one border after the next because you will be carrying that virus if you have been exposed after having had your test done. Mm, okay. Uh, let me go to Nombulelo. You're calling us from Kimberley, Nombulelo? Yes. Hi. Hi. Yes, uh, I'm actually a nurse, um, and uh, we've been uh, screening people there at the correctional services. Mm. So we had a bit of training uh, around COVID and all the testing and all that. But the thing is, if the uh, lady Florence, the, the lady called, I would advise her to go and test again because I believe that uh, it was maybe during the window period or the incubation period that she went and tested. Mm-hmm. Or it might have been a false negative, but she must do the PCR test again. Yeah. But but and, is it uh, is it advisable for her to be getting tested while she is actually experiencing the the symptoms at least on the scale that that she is where she says she's not feeling well um and and she's currently in bed. Um okay um maybe she might um she might organize with the department mm. to come and test her at home. Okay. Because I remember my niece, my, my cousin, when her husband t- tested positive, they were prepared to come and test her mother at her house. So if she can maybe 
uh, organized with the Department of Health, uh, phoned that uh, there's a number there that they give out. Maybe if, 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 I, if I don't have it now, I'll, I'll, I can find it for you later, where they can come and test her at home. Okay. If, if she fears that she might end up uh, infecting the people on yes. the way to the yes. testing site or that. But when your symptoms are, are that strong, that's when your likelihood of testing positive, of getting a, a real accurate result, that's when you're most likely to give a, a most accurate result. Mm, okay, okay. Yes. Numbulela, and thank uh, you. after, if she does test positive, she can then stay maybe a month or two or three before going for vaccination because uh, I believe, uh, I think you can get vaccinated soon after, but the protocol is, I think, it's about three or so months mm. before you can get uh, vaccinated. Mm. All right. Numbulelo, thank you so much for that. Uh, Numbulelo, yes. If you need the number that they gave us to contact the Department of Health, you can call me again and I'll... I'll look for it somewhere. Yes, uh, I'll yeah. ask Lebo to, to get in touch with you so that you, you can share that, that number with us. Thanks for calling in. Nongulelo right. out in Kimberley there with an answer for, for Florence. And she raises a, an important issue, Greg, about, you know, when people are actually getting tested, at which point does it become unadvisable for them to be physically going to get the test, especially where they're experiencing symptoms? Yeah, I think in, in that respect, we have to respect the uh, the, the protocols um, that are published by the Department of Health that mm-hmm. uh, from the time that you test positive, you have to be in isolation um, uh, for at least 10 days. Um, if you are suspecting that you've been exposed or you, you, you've uh, been told that you've been exposed to somebody who is positive, and I think that uh, um, cell phone app that was being uh, provided to, to the whole country, uh, that does give you an indication if you've been exposed to somebody that is positive. From that time, you should be in isolation for at least uh, 14 days. Mm. So, so basically, if if I'm curious, the, the 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 best thing perhaps is not for me to immediately go in and get tested. Yeah, I think the the, the appropriate thing would be to to um, uh, react to it uh, when you start getting symptoms. Mm, mm, okay, all right. Anonymous in Port Elizabeth. Good morning. Hey, Katie, how are you? I'm well, thank you, sir. Go for it. Uh, I'm also fine. Okay. What 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 is a vaccine? Um I'm asking this question in the sense that a vaccine is supposed to do two things, right? One, it creates immunization and secondly, it disrupts transmissions, right? Now, these vaccines, they don't do any of the above. So what are we taking? What, what is this? I'm, I'm, I'm asking your guest because I heard him say the only way, and, and not only him, uh, government, media, the only way to stop the virus is everyone must be vaccinated, right? So I'm asking that these vaccines one doesn't create immunization and two it doesn't disrupt transmissions because even if you take the vaccine you must still adhere to the protocols you must still sanitize you must do masks you must do social distance so even if you take the vaccine you can still get COVID and still pass it on 
So, so, so I think uh, anonymous. Um, you know, when it comes to the transmissibility issue. Um, you're right in saying that the vaccine doesn't prevent you from being able to transmit the disease, but it certainly does give you a level of immunity against okay. the virus than you okay. know, one would have okay. without it. And and what we're seeing now is that, yes, okay. there have been some reports of breakthrough infections and um, on the scale that it has been happening uh, compared to those who have received okay. the vaccines, it's it's not surprising. Katie, if the vaccines gives you immunity, right, why do you have to wear masks after getting the vaccination? Because you are immune from it. Why do you still have to wear the mask? Because you still have a high risk of spreading the virus. And remember, not everybody in the country right now has been able to receive the vaccine so we are not all protected so when you wear the mask it's not just about preventing yourself from possible infection remember what it does is that it doesn't Uh stop you from being infected with COVID-19 necessarily but it does prevent severe illness in the event of you being vaccinated yeah but you're still not answering my question see that's the thing when you take the vaccine right it prevents you from dying it prevents you from getting sick so you've got immunization right so why do you have to wear the mask because you are protected nothing can happen to you even if you were to get COVID. so but you can you still but you it? can still spread the disease i think you're but missing everyone, the point no everyone <laughs> is wearing a mask everyone and is wearing a mask not so everybody not, not everyone is wearing the mask anonymous, no but everyone is wearing a mask okay so how i think can you spread it i think you've you've made the point unless I, you are saying that the mask doesn't work anonymous i think you have made the point that that you have wanted to make uh, the non the, the the mask is just one part of an intervention we do know that this virus is 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 also you know airborne because that's part of the research that uh, came out earlier on this year greg i don't know if you have anything to add to that before we wrap up i can just uh, make a personal comment that uh, if, if we if we really take this thing seriously we must make take every opportunity we can to avoid um getting it ourselves spreading it from ourselves um if it means uh, you know taking the vaccine i actually advocate that uh, if it means isolation i advocate that if it means wearing a mask um it, it's something that that uh, uh, you know there's contention and debate about it but I, i'm certainly one that will wear a mask wherever i go mm. um if we get to the level that that uh, europe is in at the moment uh, we're starting to see sports events where there's crowds that are coming back again um, some of them are wearing masks, not some not, but they've all been immunised, and I think that's the, the way forward, that this immunisation passport is going to become very relevant to our environment. Okay. Let me thank you so much for your time today. Greg Northfield, Executive Member of the Southern African Laboratory Diagnostics Association.